Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student, but a terrible resource for learning how to join the robot mafia. My name's Thomas Frank. I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Martin Bamey. Yeah. As uh, they know him in the mafia, the clamps. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but every time I watch that show, I just, I feel like you would be clamps. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, well, he's consistent. <laughs> he is consistent. You can trust him to does, get the job done. That's true. He does have a very consistent worldview, very consistent set of moral values. Get he simplifies. Things. He's a minimalist, really. That's very true. Yes. One of the earliest minimalists on TV. <laughs> One of the earliest minimalists who exists in the year 3000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he was on TV way before then. He, he went into that, past TV. That is true. So how do you like the new, the new sound of the studio? Uh, I don't know. It's getting better. It's soundy. It's getting better, and it's getting deader. And because I have an American accent and not a British accent, those sound very similar. They almost rhyme. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Because don't people in the UK tend to actually say t for T's? Like, better? Uh, it might depend on the specific UK accent. That's true. Yeah. I'm pretty sure some of them do use glottal stops. But we just use D. Better and deader. Just got a lot of audio foam on the walls, lots of absorption foam. Thinking about getting some bass traps, all kinds of stuff like that. I uh, I bought Logic last night, so like the concept. Yeah, the uh, entire concept. Right. I bought it. It I own it now. So anytime somebody does like, you know, uh, cause and effect, or any kind of like logical statement, if therefore, I get five cents. Brought to you by Carl's Jr. All right. <laughs> That's reasonable. So uh, today we're going to talk about workspaces because, I don't know, I've been a, a nerd for setting up battle stations and command centers and workspaces of all kinds for many, many years, ever since I was in high school and saw Die Hard 4 and saw the dude's command center. I always wanted to build my own command center. So today we're going to talk about how to optimize your workspace, what is needed, what is not needed. How do you deal with, uh, you know, factors beyond your control? How do you deal with portable workstations? All that kind of stuff. It's going right. to be fun because I like right. talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to start out by just kind of like describing the workstations that we're currently using since I think both of us have gotten to a point where we're fairly happy with our workspaces. Yeah. I imagine that you are. Yeah. So. It's fine. Yeah. And I will let you go first. So what is... Paint a picture for everybody. What does your workspace currently look like? Okay, well, if, if I'm most of your work, if I'm working at home, which is most of my work now that my favorite uh, tea shop closed down, is I've got a sit to stand desk from IKEA. You can change it with like a hand crank. It's not automated, so that's a few hundred dollars cheaper. Mm -hmm. And then I've got a couple couple Amazon Basics monitor stands stacked on each other to put my monitor at the right height which I want the top of the screen to line up with where my, like, where my straight, what's that called? 
where it's like straight where you're eye, eye, level? eye level. That's what it is. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word eye level or the phrase. Uh, anyway, I want the top of the monitor to be at eye level. And then I've got a little lap desk thing with a tray that slides out so it can hold my mouse and keyboard. Okay. And they can be on my lap. So like the typing is where my arms want to be and the monitor is where my eyes want them to be. Yeah. Or want it to be. And then when I switch it, I can take out one of the monitor stands since I just have two that are stacked, and then the monitor's still at my right height. What do you mean when you or switch the other it? way around? When I make it sit or oh, stand, when you make it up to stand eye level up. becomes different, different. relevant relative to where the desk is. So you're not so using then, a monitor arm; you're just using two like little shelves, basically. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then I just like add one when I need it to be taller, and I take one away. Gotcha. What is the general space like? Um, so you have, you have the desk, right? And you're working off of a MacBook. Yeah. Pro, not Pro, Air? Yeah, MacBook Air, mid-2012. seven years old. (laughs) Yeah, it's birthday is coming up. The peak of technology. In like a week. We only work with the latest and greatest gear here. I bought it like six years ago in a week. Yeah. So by the time this comes out. And let it be known for the record that I offered you a, what is it, mid-2015 MacBook Pro, fully spec. This is working fine. And you didn't care. Yeah, that's a minimalist. You You did not accept a free MacBook Pro. It's complicated. Which I just gave to your girlfriend, so it's in your apartment anyway. Oh, she doesn't I mind. I snuck it in there anyway. She doesn't mind complication. That's true. Plus, I think she does more demanding, like, CPU-intensive work on her she, well, computer she, anyway. She probably does, and she needs a bigger hard drive. The only thing CPU-intensive I do is when I mess around with Unity, which does oh, try yeah, to... yeah, you do that. My sometimes. laptop does try to go to the moon in yes. that situation. Anyway, yeah, so the space is basically the desk, ideally... There's one little shelf on the side upon which I place my MacBook when it is plugged in. And then below that, I've got like my headphones or my phone or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the monitor in front of me. And then to the left side, we've got nothing, preferably a little little light, a little hue light thing. And then... Oh, is it like one of those little desk ones? It's not one of the ones that's built in. It's a regular hue light placed inside a little table lamp thing. Oh, okay. And then... Sometimes I will have my roost stand, which I use for portable working, to the left, and then I'll put my laptop on that instead, flip it open, and now I've got two monitors. So you get dual monitors with the laptop, Yeah, basically. But usually you just keep it docked and closed? Yeah. Okay. I don't usually need dual monitors. It's yeah. It's really just, it's like having a billion tabs open in Chrome. It seems like it's useful, but mostly it just keeps me from focusing on one thing at a time. Yeah. And then I, like it just confuses me. It's Occasionally it's useful. Mm-hmm. So most of the time I don't have it. And I have a note to talk about those. And then you're you're in the little dinette area of your apartment room, right? Yes. So I guess the big question is like how do you how do you feel about the lack of window in your workspace area? I don't care for it. I prefer having some natural light, but the way my apartment is it's just a one bedroom apartment. There's nowhere good for me to get that unless I want to work out of the bedroom or the living room, both of which are not the place I want to be working. Yeah. I'm trying to fix this by adding some daylight light bulbs. Okay. I I really like having those. However, something seems to be wrong when I tried to put it into the fixture above, and I haven't got around to fixing it. It might be the wrong... Oh, is it the wrong kind of light bulb? Something. Does it not fit? It seemed like it fit. I'm now confused as to whether those light bulbs I pulled out were dead or if those parts of the fixture are dead. I have not tested. Oh. I, one light bulb is still working, but the light in there is really bad. 
And I'm working on that. Okay, so lighting is a definite pain point. When it right when now. it is a daylight light bulbs, the really really bright ones, then I will be happy. Yeah, I just need to figure out what's wrong with the lamp thing. I just put an LED light fixture in this room because oh, yeah. so the the main thing when I moved to this house is this room was like the logical choice for the studio, but the ceilings in this house are lower in most of the rooms that they were back at the apartment. And that was compounded by the fact that this room had a giant ceiling fan in it. And it wasn't low enough that I would hit my head on it, but if I stood right under the light and went up on my tiptoes, I would. And there was just something weirdly claustrophobic about having something hanging from the ceiling that low. So we took that down. That was an adventure. That was an adventure. We're qualified <laughs> electricians now. All you do is freestyle. You just pull some stuff out of the wall and you see what happens. No, don't don't hire us as electricians. It's a do it. <laughs> probably a boy. You'll idea. get a steep discount. <laughs> can I can I do a little aside and tell the listeners about Tom and Martin's adventures in home improvement? We're good. Electrician at it. edition. <laughs> I like that it rhymes kinda. It does rhyme. That's good. So I wanted to take this ceiling fan out of the ceiling and replace it with this minimalist LED fixture that we currently have there. So, spoiling the end of the story, we're both alive and it works. Um, we just decide, oh, why don't we just unscrew the fan from the fixture and unplug it? I'm sure we can just unplug it. We unscrew it. First thing we discover, it's really heavy. Yeah, that's that was the worst part actually was because somebody had to be holding it up at all times because it was still it was going to drag wires out of the ceiling if yeah. we didn't hold it. We didn't know it was heavy. It looked light. Second problem. Uh, we get we get the fixture undone and we see that there's like these wires with these little twisted caps. Neither you or I had ever seen these before. Yeah, so I, we I didn't know what they know are now, what to do with but... them. So, we're like, "Oh crap." And we we can't get the the little fan control box back into the fixture where it was. Oh, so yeah, I don't know how it's like when you take like a tent out of the bag that yeah. it comes in and you try to put it back in and it doesn't fit no matter what. Yeah, it was terrible. I have no idea how that thing ever fit in there. I don't know. I can't and imagine I'm not it. putting it back. I will pay somebody. Um I actually I, I'll just leave this here. Even when it was taken down, I have no idea how that fit in there. Yeah. Who even needs a ceiling fan in the room? This is much better. And it's always cool up here anyway. Yeah, why would you need a ceiling fan? I don't know. Then again it is not summer yet. We're gonna find out how it is in the summer. Yeah. So we're just stuck taking turns holding this fan up while standing on a step ladder. And I'm like, if we don't figure out what to do, we're screwed because at some point, both of us will run out of the energy to hold this fan up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting there on my iPad being like Googling how to take a ceiling fan out of the fixture, which I should have done before. Well, we undid it, it seemed like it might have been easier than that. I was hoping for a, some sort of adapter. So what, something we I unplug. think the reason, like, I was lured into a false sense of security because the house in the basement, there's, like, this humidifier thing. And to plug that in to the power source, it's, like, it's kind of the same connector as you have in your computer, which, like, the power supply connector to the motherboard. It's mm. just, like, one of those 8-pin connectors. Yeah. So I was thinking it was going to be an 8-pin connector and we would just pull it out. But no, it's these twisted wire caps, which I'd never seen before. Yeah, and I, I was like, don't, don't touch those when the yeah. le- electricity is still going to those wires. <laughs> so you're going to die. Then I went down and turned the breaker off. Then we, we untwisted it. To begin with, really. And then it was all fine. But yes, moral of the story, if you're going to take a ceiling fan down, it's not a simple plug and play thing and you need to disconnect the electricity. Yeah, we, we should have done that in the first, first. place regardless. Yes. 
but so it I'm just learning. seems sort of a spur of the moment. All right, yeah. let's just pull this fan out of the ceiling. Let's not think about it too hard, and then you yeah. know it's already done. It's... Unfortunately, we did not follow that reckless train of thought and, just, and decide to untwist oh, the wire. Oh, no, I was like, I mean, I the don't light wanna... switch was off, so it probably wouldn't have shocked us, but it's still really unsafe. No, I, re- I really don't want to touch wires. I was not yeah. going to go any farther with that. Also, I do have non-conductive work gloves, so before people say I'm completely idiotic, I'm only half idiotic. Anyway, <laughs> that aside, aside, there is now an LED fixture up here, and it can be turned to daylight. Yeah. But I have it at 2700. Mm. And weirdly, um, and I guess like the whole point of the story is, I find that daylight bulbs look too harsh. Like, for what, they don't really replicate sunlight to me. Or oh, to I, I don't think they're as good as actual sunlight, but I hate yellow light when it's... Really? Like, it just Does feels... it make you sleepy or something? It just feels so dim to me. You just need more yellow light. I just need, I need, I would need a ton. I yeah. really don't like it when it's not bright yeah. anywhere. It makes me feel less focused and motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. So that that's your workspace, and it seems like number number one priority is make it brighter. Yeah, and I'm, wor- I'm working on that, but I've, okay. been, I've been busy. Yeah. And then... You could just replace your light fixture with one of those. Uh, I, I think see. I'm in. A, I'm in an apartment. I don't think they want me to replace the light fixtures. Probably with, not. You could ask them with things. <laughs> but yeah, and then if you take that same same roost stand, the same lap desk, the same. Um, I have the Microsoft uh, ergonomic keyboard the mouse. Keyboard? I don't remember what it's called. The one that has like the split. The one that's got down the, the middle weird curve shape to it. Mm-hmm. And then you take all that, and it's a portable setup immediately yeah if you happen to have a good tea shop around which i don't anymore true this neighborhood has broken my heart you do have steep that's it's a drive but it's it exists yeah but i could walk to the other one i know it was beautiful it was beautiful it was great and i was very sad when it was the golden the golden age it was the golden age oh well all right so i guess we'll describe my workspaces and uh, it is now workspaces so my main gripe with my workspace in the apartment was that it was in the studio and I have blackout curtains in the window and due to the way we just had to set it up, my desk was in front of the window. So it was very, very difficult to move those curtains out of the way. Uh, so basically working in the studio was kind of like your workspace now, where it was just always artificial light, no window, no natural light, nothing. And I was not a fan of that. So when I moved here, this house is much bigger, and one of our priorities was to have a space for working and a space for the studio and have them be separate. So downstairs, there's like an office area. It's well lit, and Anna and I just decided to share that, which, uh, and she's going to edit this, so she will she will hear me say this and probably agree, has had some, I guess, growing pains because occasionally, like, one or the other of us will get annoyed at something on the computer and then the other person is subjected to listen to it. Hmm. So I think we've both sort of started relying more on headphones. Uh, but it is a lot nicer to be able to work in a nicely well-lit with real sunlight spot. Yeah. So my vote is that you move in six months to a place where oh, well, there's I don't, an office. I don't or, intend to stay in my apartment after yeah. this lease. I just wanted to have the lease not end in winter anymore. That's true, yeah. You know, that's you, that's a big thing. Moving in the snow is not fun. Um, so in that main workspace, I do have two monitors. Those are on monitor arms and 
I mainly added those so I could move monitors around, show people things. Like if you were over, I could move a monitor very easily to show you designs or things like that. Um, and I also, I wanted like a lot of flexibility for filming purposes in case I wanted to like move monitors out of the way and put like a, a camera in the middle of the desk for like a face cam tutorial kind of thing. Yeah. So I've got those. And then I basically use gaming hardware for everything. So gaming keyboards, gaming mice, gaming mouse pads. The weird thing is like they're marketed towards gamers, but they're, they're more just like better peripherals. I don't know. I think you you or you use the Microsoft ergonomic thing, so they're not ergonomically better. Yeah. But they're mechanical keyboards, mice with better tracking. I don't know what kind of mouse you use. Use them. I use no. the the one that came with the Microsoft right. thing. I yeah. used to have a gaming mouse though. Yeah. I just like using gaming stuff, and then I also have a standing desk, but it is a, it is a motorized one. But I realized that I needed a computer up here, number one, so we could record the podcast. So I could record videos, and if I ever need like do to do uh, video footage, I could do or sorry, like a screencast or something like that with me at the computer. It would have better audio up here, and I also want to do music. So I needed a music production area where my speakers would not bother Anna, and also where I had like proper acoustic treatment. So now I just have two workspaces, <laughs> and my second workspace is very similar to yours, where it's just a MacBook dock station. And honestly, at this point. If I wasn't a PC gamer, I would just fully switch to Mac. And I think I would just have, like, docks. Yeah, I think that just... I mean, it works just fine. Why would I yeah. want a separate computer? Because then I got to worry about whether all the same stuff is doing the same yeah. stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I'm split between two different operating systems. So I have to make sure there's parity between Windows and Mac for the most part. And, I, and now I'm, like, moving away from it because I ended up going with Logic for my DAW. So, like... I can't do music production on Windows. Yeah. Uh, and that was the result of a lot of research. So there were there are definitely other options. But I realized, like, eh, if this is going to be the studio, I might as well just go all in on the Mac for that. And then the PC will be for other things. Uh, but, yeah, I've got that. I've got the dock system. I'm, like, looking at the space right now. The, the desk up here is not standing. And I will get to why in, like, the standing standing versus sitting desk section of my outline here. Uh, and then I have a fancy ergonomic chair downstairs and a normal Ikea chair up here. And to foreshadow that part of the podcast, I like the Ikea one better. I do like the Ikea chairs. <laughs> and they were, what, like $40? Yeah, I but think. they were weirdly comfortable. Yeah. They're, and and they're, simple. They're simple. That's they my favorite simple. part. Yeah. So, and then um, for portable stuff, I do just use the MacBook and I have an iPad so I can hook that up with a USB cord and use an app called Duet to get a dual monitor. I rarely ever do that, but on the odd occasion I'm traveling and I have to edit a video, I need dual monitors. That, well, that is a cool need feature. Need is a strong word, but I very much benefit from dual monitors. So... That's a decent description of our workspaces. I want to move into my notes here for like, how can people start to optimize these things? Um, the first thing I had there was environment. So I think the things you should consider are light, temperature, and noise level. Uh, like you said, light is a big affecting factor yeah. in your productivity and why you probably leave to workplaces sometimes. And I mean, like you can always come over here to work. There's plenty of light here. So... I think the biggest improvement people can make is if they're working in a dingy, like dimly lit area, find a way to either improve the lighting situation or move to a place with better lighting. Sunlight makes you happier. 
Yeah. And that's why I don't work in the studio. Those, sometimes I will come to the studio because I want to blast music out of the speakers. Very occasionally. Fair. <laughs> but for the most part, I want to be working down in the well-lit area. Uh, temperature. So if you can't control the temperature in your area. I think, didn't you have a space heater by your desk at one I point? did. It's broken yeah. now. But I did enjoy it while I had it. Cheap heaters tend to break. I don't know. I don't even. It just like it fell over once and then it stopped working. So, but it hasn't been worth replacing. Yeah, you know, and if if you have like decent heating and cooling in your apartment, then that's not an issue. But yeah. otherwise, like a small space heater can be a good solution, um, or a hoodie. You know, pretty simple. And then noise level. So the one thing I'll say about noise level. Um, the easiest and simplest fix that I have ever found for dealing with noise is just to get a good pair of closed headphones. And if you can afford it, a pair of noise canceling headphones, which your work gave to you for free. Yes. And you let me try. And I love noise. My eyes were opened. It's so good. I was, (laughs) I was actually working one time on some linguistics research next to Clyde playing some really loud stuff. I was next to the huge TV playing stuff. Mm -hmm. And with the noise canceling headphones on, I could. I felt like they were like three or four rooms away. Like it's yeah. not even a problem. I could hang out with anybody and still work. I think the term that I used with you when you showed me those was game changer. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And, and just the, the other day, is cool too. it is pretty cool. Just the other day, Ransom uh, pinged me on Slack and he said, "Hey, I just got some noise canceling headphones, and they're a game changer." So that that's it. They be, change the game. They do. They change the game, much like every rapper that ever existed. Every rapper changed the they game. They all changed the game. Actually, I can name a few that really changed the game, but that's Eminem not what this game. episode Kanye is about. The game. They did both change the game Kendrick, in their own ways, maybe. yes. Would you say Kendrick changed the game? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's easier to look in retrospect. Travis Scott. We don't know exactly how the next 10 years of hip-hop will go. That is true. So I can't. I can't say who the biggest changers were. I'm trying to figure out like who was instrumental in bringing like the current mumbley core trap scene because uh, that is a game change. I don't know if it's a good one, but I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't Kanye. No, it was not. Um, I, actually, I don't know. I haven't researched that enough. We'll see in retrospect. We'll find out. All right, we'll have another epi- episode. Eleven hundred hip hop is going to be hip hop history. I actually, one time in a history class, I was supposed to be writing notes, and instead, I wrote a history of gangster rap for like two pages. <laughs> Hopefully, your teacher gave you an A. I hope so, or a G for gangster. Ooh, but also <laughs> it's a failing grade, so it would have been clever. That's true. Yeah. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at FreshBooks, who have built a sweet suite of tools for making your accounting and invoicing processes either more efficient or even automated. So if you're the kind of person who runs your own business, or if you're a freelance web designer or writer, or or, or what else is there? Graphic design, things like that. That's the thing. Yeah, if you do work for yourself, then their tools can make your processes a lot more efficient and buy back a lot of time. Because you know, if you run your own business, if you do freelance work, you kind of have to do everything yourself. You're doing all the graphic design, you're doing the web design, all that stuff, but you also have to take care of sending invoices to clients, tracking expenses, doing all that paperwork. You're kind of on your own. And that's kind of the beauty of being an independent business person, but it also is a bit of a drawback because it takes time. But luckily, with FreshBooks, you get a lot of tools that can help buy back a lot of that time. For instance, you can create these very professional invoices in 30 seconds or less. You can send them off to your clients and you can even let them pay 
on the invoices, which gives them uh, more options for paying, lets them pay you faster, and you're not sending stuff through the mail or sending emails, waiting for checks, things like that. In fact, when I was in college, I ran a freelance web design business and I didn't have FreshBooks at the time, so I would have to send Microsoft Word document generated invoices to my clients via email, and then sometimes wait for weeks for checks to come in the mail, take them to the bank. It was very inefficient and very annoying to do. But with FreshBooks, again, people can just pay with their credit card right on the invoices, which is really, really nice. Additionally, you can automate your expense tracking. You can bring your expenses right into the app. You can even attach receipts with their uh, mobile apps as well. And you can even automatically track your time within the app. So if you want to start doing the work that you want to be doing in your business or in your freelance practice and spend less time on all of those meta tasks, all the invoicing, all the accounting, then go over to freshbooks.com slash CIG. And when you sign up there, you're going to get a free 30-day trial of their service, unlimited use. And when you do that, make sure to put College Info Geek in the How Did You Hear About Us section as well. Big thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week's episode and being a big supporter of our show. And another huge thanks goes out to our second sponsor this week, Brilliant. Brilliant is an excellent learning platform for anybody wanting to improve their skills in the areas of math, science, and computer science. And what I love about Brilliant specifically is the team over there understands the principle of active learning. So when you start one of their in-depth courses or when you spend some time doing their daily problems every single day, you're not gonna be sitting through passive lectures. You're gonna be actually doing problems. All of their courses immediately throw you into challenges that may stump you, but they are bite-sized problems. So they're not built to frustrate you. And if you do get stuck, there's tons of supplementary material. There's a wiki with lots of example problems with all the solutions worked out, lots of concepts explained in detail. So on a just-in-time basis, you can go learn what you need to learn and then come back and solve those problems, which helps you stay interested while you're learning, but also helps you become a better problem solver overall because problem solving is a universal skill. So when you solve problems in one area, you get better at solving problems everywhere. Now, in addition to their library of in-depth courses, they also have a new feature that came out this year called Daily Problems, where every single day they release new problems across a wide breadth of topics. So if you want to make learning a daily habit and you want to expose yourself to some different areas that you might not have considered before, you can start doing those in addition to their in-depth courses. And if you want to start learning for free in all those areas today, you can go over to brilliant.org slash college info geek. And if you're one of the first 83 people to sign up with that link, you're going to get 20% off their annual premium subscription as well. Again, big thanks to Brilliant for sponsoring this episode and being a huge supporter of College Info Geek and this show, and let's get back into it. Okay, um, so noise-canceling headphones, game changer, and then I think this is going to be more niche, but I actually don't like being in a really horribly echoey room, so some cheap audio foam can actually fix things up a little bit. Hmm. I, don't I mainly I've... use it for recording purposes, but it can actually, like, if, if the acoustics of your room annoy you, uh, that can be rectified for not a whole lot of money. Yeah. And it's a little bit of a DIY thing, but my vocal coach is saying that you can build your own absorbing panels for about 10 to $15. You just, like, frame together some cheap wood from Home Depot or Menards. Um, there's, like, some foam you can spray in there that's very cheap, and then you just put, like, T-shirt fabric over the top of it. Huh. I'm sure there are plans online somewhere because, yeah, where I practice for vocals, there are a bunch of those audio panels on the walls, but I can tell they were homemade and they did not cost 75 bucks a piece. And I guess I've never really thought about echoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's again kind of a niche thing, but I don't think like if, if people really don't like it, I just wanted to mention it because yeah. we've treated this room and I think that it's a big improvement. Uh, all right. The desk. How much space do you need? 
How much space do you need? I guess is a good question. Very little. Really? Incredibly little. Actually, so little yeah, you that used to work with I used like to work a with tiny a, TV tray. Yeah, literally the workspace is my monitor or my laptop on the roost stand. Mm-hmm. And then my lap desk holding the keyboard and the mouse. Before I got my sit-to-stand desk, I literally used a $14 TV tray from Target, which I would unfold every day, yeah. set up my workstation, and it, w- it was just like I had a per- – it was like going to a cafe, you know? If I can work in a cafe, I can work at this TV tray. It's the same limitation. Yeah. So almost no room. Enough room for the screen. I'm of a different mind. I can work with a little tiny space if I need to. I mean, when I'm on airplanes... You did call things battle stations. I would yes, not call a TV I tray a battle that. Station. So. Yeah, you're more of like a motorboat or like kayak kind of guy. <laughs> is, that, is that relatable to... I don't know. I guess, sure, I work in a kayak. <laughs> you work in a kayak and I work on a on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> okay, like when I'm on a plane, obviously I have my lap and that's it. And I can still get work done. But... If I'm building a dedicated workspace, I want a fair amount of space to work with. And this stems from uh, being in high school. I had like this very, very tiny desk and I had my computer hardware on it. And every time I would need to like put a notebook down or like deal with folders and stuff, I would need to move everything all over the place. And I don't want to do that. Mm. So for me, I think like a five foot long desk is like the minimum for me personally, but I, I want six or more. I think my main one is actually seven feet and my one over there is six. And then uh, more important, I think, than the width is the depth. Because I want the ability to push my keyboard and mouse away from me if I need some workspace in front of me for drawing or for writing uh, or for taking notes or for putting a book down, things like that. I basically want space to spread out research materials if I need to. Mm. When I needed that, what I did was I bought another $14 TV tray <laughs> and I put it to my left and that's where my notebook went. I guess that works. Yeah. Which I mean, hey, that will save you money. And then I could put my keyboard on it when I wanted to get up because, you know, it's in my lap. Yeah. So, bam, $30. Yeah. And you can totally do that. Workstation. And I mean, I think. Well, it doesn't count all the tools. The well, you can also get a, a big workstation for not a whole lot of money. You can. So, you can go to Ikea and they sell uh, these little, I mean, they're, they're right there actually, these little sawhorse legs. I think they're eight bucks a piece. And then if you want, you can get one of their very cheap tabletops. I mean, the one we use for our overhead camera setup is really cheap. I mean, that could be a desk. It's a little wobbly. <clears throat> so because I have the money for a better desk, I'm not going to use it as a desk. But yeah, I think this whole desk setup, which is, I think, six feet by three feet deep, was like 30 bucks. Yeah, it's total. it's not hard. Uh, or you could go the Amazon way and just go to like a door factory and buy rejected doors and use that as a desk. What? I don't know what they use for the desk legs. Is yeah, part of the Amazon um, origin story but is they like were just doors like in have the shapes in them. No, they would go buy like, no, the doors with shapes in them. That's a fancy door. Do you remember our very, very cheap apartment in Ames, Iowa? Because those doors did not have fancy carvings in them. They were oh. literally flat white doors. Okay. So that they were are cheap. literally just doors. Yeah. So Jeff Bezos went out. He got a bunch of doors. Weird. I don't know what they use. I think they used like construction sawhorses from like the Home Depot or something as the legs. And they put them in his house and desk or in the garage, I think. And that was like the start of Amazon door desks. And then I think for a very, very long time, they kept doing door desks, but it was more of like a symbolic thing. 
because they've always just been very big on frugality. Hmm. Yeah, no first class flights for Amazon execs. That may have changed because it's been many, many years since they were scrappy. I don't know. It, it has been a while. I mean, after you yeah. buy Whole Foods, you don't. That's true. If you own Whole Foods, how scrappy can you be? Yeah. <laughs> Not really sure. You're eating like a kale seitan salad with some bone mm. broth juice on your cheap door desk. Why did you put bone broth on it if it's seitan? I'm getting mixed dietary <laughs> messages. I was into it for a second, and then I was just confused. Because Chatterbug Zimmerman is the CEO of Happy Gorilla Vegan Protein. It's bars, actually imitation breakfast. It's imitation bone broth. Imitation bone broth. I don't even. It's mushroom broth. It's like, like why even call it imitation bone broth? <laughs> It accomplishes just, nothing. Wait, that's going to be at Whole Foods at some point. It's going to be double the price. It's going to be, be sixteen dollars yeah. for and like it's just a gonna, It's going to be next to it. It's going to be vegetable broth. It's the same exact thing. <laughs> it's just going <laughs> to three dollars. Don't give them ideas. <laughs> they will. They will literally make. They that. can't get me. I read the ingredients. <laughs> imitation bone broth has imitation health benefits. Whoa! <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, all this is to say, you can get a pretty big desk for not a lot of money if you know where to look if you're willing to repurpose a door or willing to go to ikea or willing to go to the hardware store and buy a sheet of plywood yeah like i don't know but i want a lot of desk i'm also one of those people and maybe you're gonna curse me for this because you're like into ergonomics i like to scoot myself like so that my belly is touching the edge of the desk and then my arms can rest on the desk instead of having armrests on my chair or while well, you just put your keyboard in your lap so yeah, I don't think I could get my elbows at a good angle if I were to do that because I'm not as tall. So I think maybe it, I don't know if it's possible that the angle's wrong for me. It might I, be if I rest my arms on it on a desk usually. Yeah. I think that's a preference thing. Um. So, and I want to move to, er, to ergonomics very soon, but I do have one more note here for the desk area: how to get more space if you don't have a big desk. So the first thing that I did when I was young, scrappy in college, had very little money. I went to Home Depot. I found their like rejected scrap wood bin where you could basically get it for free or very, very cheap, like a dollar. And I got one sort of long piece of wood and then just three literal scraps. And I nailed them together. It was not very sturdy, but I did not need them to be sturdy. And I made myself a monitor shelf. So that way the monitors could stand on the shelf. And then I could push my keyboard and mouse underneath the shelf if I needed like workspace for textbooks and note taking and all that kind of stuff when I was in school. Uh, that still works well. And I think that's kind of what you're doing because you said you have the Amazon Basics monitor shelves. Yeah. So I yeah. So I use, I put stuff under them. Yeah. I cobbled my own together though. How much was yours? Like, were 20, they like 25 20. each or together? I think it was like 20 each. Okay. Yeah. I guess spend a little money, save yourself some time. I mean, I'm not exactly trying to. I don't try hard to get an expensive desk, but I'm also not trying that hard yeah. to make it cheap. I just I wanted an immediate solution, so I just yep. did it. Well, it was have... on Prime now, so I was able to there get them literally okay. in an hour or two, which saved so much time that the money didn't matter. Yeah, which that will be next week's episode, Time versus Money. Ooh. Um, but if you don't have money, like I didn't when I was a freshman, just cobble yourself together some scrap wood, and there you go. Yeah. I was busy spending all my money on computer monitors. Mostly computer monitors that I would sell on Craigslist. Because I was hustling. Uh, the other thing is, if you do not want to build a monitor shelf, you can do monitor arms. Um, the one thing I'll notice, if you buy a monitor arm, you're going to want to make sure your monitor has a Visa mount, V-E-S-A, on the back, or Visa-compatible mounting area. Most monitors do, but there may be some that don't, so I just want to put that out there. I use Dell monitors. They all have Visa mounts. You just 
pull the normal stand off and then you clamp the or you screw the monitor arm in and my monitor arms i think were like 99 dollars a piece because i didn't really know much at the time but you can get 25 dollar monitor oh, arms that's cool it may be the fact i think amazon started making competitor monitor arms to the ones that i have and then they just made them super cheap and they weren't available when i bought them but yeah now you can get really cheap monitor arms they still work pretty well um if you don't care about moving your monitor around you can get them even cheaper they're literally just like a clamp on the back of your desk oh yeah make sure your desk can accept one no oh. because some desks like most ikea desks and tables you know they're like thin but some desks have like a backing so there's nowhere to clamp it. And you might have to drill a hole in your desk. Not so. being able to clamp Look at that. makes clamps very sad. Yeah. Oh, why can't clamps clamp? He wants to clamp. All right. So ergonomics, standing desk, is it worth it? What do you think? I mean, worth it in what sense? You know, I mean, I, I felt like paying for it. So it was worth it for me at the time. But if I didn't have the money, I wouldn't care. All right. What did you spend on your standing desk? Uh, a few hundred dollars. Like 300 Something like that. Okay. I spent... I think I spent 800 on mine. Because I got the oh, well, Jarvis yeah, Bamboo one. It has the motorized with memory settings. Uh, but then for the studio, I just went to Ikea and I bought their Edasin desk, which is not standing. You can get it standing for like 600 bucks, but I didn't want the standing one. Uh, I will say the Adasin desk is better than the Bacon. It's more sturdy, but it's also more expensive. But I don't know. Maybe you'll disagree with me here. I don't use the standing desk that often. Uh, I I do. Okay. And I do have one of the little Topo mats. Oh, yeah. I've got that too. The little squishy mat. That lets yeah, you stand. the squishy mat with a bunch of levels so that you don't stand like stiff because that would be about as bad for you as sitting stiff. Mm-hmm. But I do like to stand because I often... It helps me to think. I feel more active. So if I'm trying to solve something, sometime, sometimes I will want to kind of shuffle back and forth or I'll need to go like walk over at the balcony really easy and come back mm-hmm. to my desk without needing to sit. Sitting down is like when I'm ready to do the work. Yeah. And when I'm standing, I'm doing all the creative thinking and I'm trying to solve things. But I don't need it. I mean, I used the TV tray solution because I didn't have good room for an office. Yeah. I literally unfolded my desk, set it up, and then, I mean, if it's that portable, if you want to stand, you just stand. Yeah. And then you walk around and take breaks, and then you come back and you sit down. If you didn't have the money for it, I don't think it's doesn't do much. I'm going to go one step further. As somebody who owns... The top of the line, eight hundred dollar Jarvis bamboo standing desk, and an IKEA not standing desk. I don't think they're worth it, personally. I'm, I mean, obviously you use it. For one, I just can't get in the working like I can't get into the creative or deep working mood when I'm standing. Mm. I don't know what it is. Uh, the other thing is, I guess I got the standing desk so I'd spend less time sitting because I wanted to cut down on back pain issues and I wanted to be healthier. But I think I've realized like if you just get up more often and go take breaks and make sure you're exercising every day, that's way, way, way more important. Yeah, well, if you get the standing desk and then you stand stiff at your standing desk, your legs are basically locked into position and you're just typing for eight hours, that's just as bad, if not potentially worse. You're just supposed to be moving often. And I guess the concept is like, you know, if you switch positions throughout the workday, like you spend some of it standing, some of it sitting, like you're you're changing. 
And I, I guess I get the perceived benefit there, but personally, I think you get the same benefit just by making sure you get up, you know, at least once an hour to go do something. And I'll get up and I'll go do pull-ups or I'll go for a walk outside or I've got some dumbbells and I'll do some random stuff or stand on my indoor board and do some balance exercises or play guitar. Like you just got to get up and go move around. Yeah. Uh, and that brings me to the other thing. Fancy ergonomic chair. Worth it or not worth it? You don't need a fancy ergonomic chair. Yeah, I really don't think you do. And this is kind of, you're, I mean, you're pretty into ergonomics. Well, that's what happens when you mess up your nerves and have to quit everything you love for two or three years. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we're in agreement here. Um, no, <laughs> there, there is no guarantee that future Thomas won't somehow convince himself to buy an even fancier Steel Series Leap chair because I know myself and I get into those. Yeah, literally so, from a battle station. I, I know myself. I, I like building cool battle stations. But from my experience, so I bought the Office Master OM5 ergonomic chair, which it's not at the same level as your Herman Miller Aerons and your Steel Series gestures and leaps. And I bet you there's going to be at least one person in the comments who will be like, well, that's why, because you bought the cheaper one. But it was still 700 bucks, And there's all this quote-unquote ergonomic research that went into it. It's supposed to caress your back and like make sure you don't get back pain, all kinds of stuff like that. I feel like I have more back pain in that chair than I do in this cheap $40 Ikea swivel chair that has zero ergonomic Honestly, this to it. Honestly, this is a super comfortable chair. Yeah, I like this me. chair. I so, think the most important thing is just a little lower back support, which I am also using a $14 fold-out Target chair <laughs> and then a little, a little like, pillow thing. Yeah. Bam. I've created an ergonomic chair that supports my back, and I didn't... I didn't really need it anyway because the most important thing, I think, is making sure it's at the right height for your legs. Yeah. I mean, I'll go one step further. I don't think you need back support at all. Again, no, not a doctor. So there may be other cases out there. Maybe your doctor has told you, like, you specifically need back support. But I think, like, for the average human, uh, you should be able to sit and use your core muscles and your obliques to stabilize yourself. I mean, like right now, I, I do not have my back up against the back of this chair. I'm yeah. slightly leaning forward. And because I do core work, I don't feel back pain right now. And I'm, I don't know. I feel totally comfortable. Yeah. Well, I, I got the pillow because I had damaged my muscles. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. And this, is a, this is something to keep in mind. Like when we talk about principles, a lot of times the principles apply to people who are at like a neutral level of health. And if you have a health problem, then there's going to be something you have to do. Like, I could be like, oh, all human beings don't need to use crutches. But, like, if you have a broken leg, oh, yeah. you should probably <laughs> yeah, use crutches. A, that would be terrible so, advice. And, you know, and, you know, no one would ever say that. But it, it gets, it's very easy to say, like, nobody needs back support in their chair. Nobody needs arch support in their shoes because naturally we, you know, we're evolved to walk barefoot. You know, if you have a health problem or you've gone your entire life wearing shoes that have, like, deformed your arches or, like, made them weaker. Yeah, you can't just be like, I'm just going to go to barefoot overnight i'm just gonna go to having no back support overnight that's not gonna work yeah so don't well, take this as me being like you know just ditch anything your doctor said to do but personally i don't think that we need like the average human needs all this lumbar support and back support i think what we need is like core exercise stronger and to be stronger and just yeah stop being chair well, slugs i don't even have a couch in my living room that's i literally sit on the floor at all times yeah yeah so like, you're even i support more... myself all the time you're more hardcore about this than I am because I, I still sit on the couch. Well, I didn't want a couch. 
True, the couch They're, wouldn't really cou- fit The couches couch. that I've experienced House. are all terrible for my spine in mm-hmm. particular. They try to curve me into some C shape. Yeah. And that, that is not great. Yeah. So the, I think the big thing is get up more often, take breaks, and uh, I think that everyone should be doing some sort of both resistance training uh, and focus on the core and also flexibility training. I mean, from the little research that I've done on the subject, a lot of chronic back pain issues, which I think a lot of office workers and people who have sit-down jobs deal with, come from a lack of core strength and also really inflexible hip muscles and core mm. muscles as well. And when you pair those together, when you have like this weak core and you have these chairs that are just like supporting your spine all the time, but you have these really inflexible hip flexors and things like that and glute muscles, it leads to back pain. Well, and if it's supporting you all the time, then you're not giving yourself a lot of chance to test out your back muscles. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, like if if I've worn myself out, that's when I'll bring out the little back support pillow thing, yeah. and I'll be like, I need to relax now. I've done too much somehow. Yeah. But otherwise, I want to be using it because every time I use my back muscles to sit up, I make it easier for me to use my back muscles mm-hmm. to sit up. Yeah, I think the body is a use it. I mean, we know the body is a use it or lose it thing. If you don't use something, your body will not keep it around because it costs resources. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not just like a super simple like, well, we don't need that. So let's get rid of it and there will be no ill effects. You know, it's we'll get rid of it. And, oh, oops, there's chronic pain because we weren't evolved to just jettison modules we don't need. We're not robots. So I think that the standing desk Unless, I mean, you get benefit from the standing desk. So maybe the standing desk is a better sell than the fancy ergonomic chair. Uh, and you don't have to go buy a standing desk. You can buy Veradesk's things. Which, is that the little adapter thing? It's the thing that just goes in your desk and you can raise it up. Yeah. And, and there's uh, like a little, there's also like a little cardboard one. That's the cheap one. Yeah. yeah. And we'll link to both of those in the show notes. Like, there's a I like it for thinking through problems. Yeah. You can just put your laptop up on the cardboard thing. I think there's a keyboard tray or something like that. And I have like a whiteboard on the wall. So I'm standing and I'm like thinking yes. and, and typing and then writing on the wall. And the, so like the it's for a very thing. specific type of work I do. Yeah. But it's, you know, if I didn't need that, I would be fine without it. I just. I definitely agree with the whiteboard thing. I just, for whatever reason, like working on the computer, I think it's typing while standing up. I just really don't like it. And I don't like using my mouse while standing up. It just feels mm. inaccurate. I don't know. I don't feel grounded. Um, and then, yeah, fancy ergonomic chair. I don't think you need it. Get a chair that is the right height. I think that's the biggest thing. I think I would prioritize good headphones, noise canceling headphones if possible. Then maybe a standing desk. Then, I mean, I would never care about the chair. Yeah. Um, and so good headphones like noise canceling are great. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier. I said closed headphones. Yeah, closed. Closed. So that means over the ear design, not like on the ear. I think those are less comfortable. Like the ones that go I don't like the ones the that ear. like squish your ears. I like the ones that go all the way around. Yeah. So the, the fancy terms are circumaural or supraural. You want circumaural or yeah. just all around your ear. And then closed just means that they they're not noise canceling. They don't use active noise canceling, but they are sort of sealed. Whereas open headphones, they literally just have like a a mesh grate. And those, if you're an audiophile, can sound better. They will, because they let the sound, they don't like trap the sound, so it might be a little more accurate, but Mm. closed headphones give you better isolation. So if you're on a budget, you could spend, I think, $22 on Sennheiser, I forget the model. I bought them for my brother when he was in college, like 
HD 200s or something like that. We'll find them for the show notes. They're very cheap and they will provide a lot of isolation, you know, especially if you're actually playing music. Uh, so before we move on from ergonomics, we kind of said that like a standing desk, probably not that worth it. Fancy ergonomic chair, really not worth it. What do people want to consider for ergonomics? Like their body positions? Yeah, just like monitor height, seat height, desk height. Like what? Okay, so how do um, you determine what those are? I like to have my monitor. So the very top of the screen itself, the visual part, not like the frame it's in, the top of the, you know, the pixels mm-hmm. is in line with my eye level because... So not the center, the top of it? Yeah. Okay. Is that um, I just want to be able to keep my neck back and ah. straight because I used to, and this this is what led to my nerve injury actually, is I used to get closer and closer and hunch forward. Yeah. And then I would... I would basically look like I was trying to be some sort of ridiculous movie monster thing, mm. and I would ruin myself for hours and not even realize it. But I want all of the screen to be very easily within my, my eyesight with it, with me keeping my neck back. Okay. So the neck should be back. The shoulders should be not raised or hunched forward. So if your desk is too high and your shoulders are up, you're going to hurt them. If they're hunched forward, you're going to hurt them. Yeah. You basically want them in line with your ears. Okay. Um. Your spine should be in your natural curve, which means sit tall, not yeah. not straight. Sitting up straight is kind of a misnomer. It's misleading. Yeah, because that can cause, um, I think it's called anterior pelvic tilt. Yeah, your it's spine like is an S. Instead of having a curved spine, it's like it's curved inward. Yeah, you don't that want that. can be just as bad. No, I think one of the best things that I've heard to kind of test it is imagine if somebody had like a string and they were pulling it at the top of your head, like where would your head naturally stop going up without you contorting your body to try and like make it taller um you want your legs in roughly a 90 degree angle from the chair so your feet can be on the ground okay and you want to make sure the edge of the chair is not cutting off circulation right above your knees Mm. because that i mean that's not going to end well and part of the problem with my fancy chair is like yeah so if if your knees aren't a little bit than the leg part yeah, so if if your knees get either like bunched up against the the edge of the chair or something like that, you cut off circulation, and mm-hmm. that's that's not very ergonomic. And then your elbows, they they want to be at like maybe around a ninety, maybe a little wider angle. Okay. And you want to keep your wrist straight when you're typing and using your mouse. So all of these things will help you not get things like carpal tunnel or yeah. or or in my case damage all three major nerves in both arms for two years because your desk at your old job was way too high wasn't it was it? too high so i was hunched up yeah. and forward my back was completely bent over my neck was weirdly curved in like a gooseneck mm-hmm. looking at the screen because i would get so into thinking about the problem i would like stare at it yeah which is why standing and thinking about my problems helps me a lot because True. I yeah. forget what my body's doing when I'm really into some programming work. I yeah. have no idea what's going on outside. Mm-hmm. But yeah, basically you just want most of your body to be in some sort of a neutral position. Like your wrists, they want to be straight. They don't want to be all bent backwards while you're typing. Yeah. And then I guess my contribution here will be take breaks um, and then find something that you enjoy to do that's exercise on a regular basis. Yeah, And I, I have experienced this multiple times. So now I have like double or triple confirmation when I am consistently working out like with resistance training and I'm doing stretches, I don't get back pain. It's gone. When I stop for a while, 
comes back. Yeah. So and- I stopped for a while because of the move, and there was just so many stressful things going on in January, and some back pain started creeping in again. But now I've been going back to the climbing gym, been doing my stretches, been doing push-ups every morning, and some like dumbbell work, and it's going away. Yeah. You want to keep your body ready to, to handle all of this stuff because mm-hmm. if it's easy to strain your body, it will get strained. Yep. And the pain that you mentioned is a good thing to notice because any of the things that I just mentioned, you know, for the most part, I think they should work for everybody. That mm-hmm. tends to be how human bodies are. But if you find yourself like maybe there's a bunch of tension in your forearm and just try to try to notice I'm really tight in this muscle or yeah. this nerve feels weird. I'm getting a little tingly in, in my finger or my neck feels strained. You'll feel something. You'll know if there's constant tension in a muscle, you're probably doing something yeah. weird to it because your muscles shouldn't always be tense yep. for the most part. I, I'm not, I'm not going to be super specific because, you know, my heart's probably always doing something or another, <laughs> but you're not medical professionals. You'll, yeah. So you'll, you'll, you'll notice know. if something's wrong. Like if your wrist starts to feel weird, you, you should pay attention to that and maybe take, take 10, 20 minutes and figure out how you can make your workstation better because it adds up really mm. quickly. Yeah. Especially when you start getting older. And yeah. This stuff's was... easy to recover from now. Yep. Thank God I didn't do this 10 or 20 years from now. It would have taken way longer to fix my nerves. That wasn't even guaranteed. Well, I guess what I was, what I was trying to say is when I was 19, 20, I didn't care at all, you know, but it, like surprisingly young, you can start to develop these problems. Yeah. Like I, I think I was 24 when I started getting back pain. Actually, when I was 19, I did have a repetitive stress injury in my hand and it was from typing with my wrists and palms firmly planted on the base of the laptop. Yep. So yep. you know, I was just constantly bent. putting it's no tension good. there. So there's a combination of proper ergonomics when you are working. Um, but also, I think you have to su- subject your body to actual stress that's like that's not super ongoing because the type of stress that we usually engage with is is low level, but it's ongoing all the time. Sitting in a chair typing on a keyboard or playing piano in your case. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's like a double whammy for you. Cause you spend all day typing on a keyboard and then you move over to a piano and it's like the same exact yeah, position. And I played guitar and too. Like every one yeah. of my skills was like finger dexterity. And then I mm-hmm. ruined my hands because I had bad ergonomics for them. And I think that's fine, but like the body has to be subjected to diverse types of movement and the intensity levels have to fluctuate. So you have to have like periods of true rest and you got to have periods of good stress. Like, for me, it's rock climbing or it might be ice skating. For you, it might be something different, doing pull-ups, doing whatever workout routine that you want to do or playing a sport. Yeah. But if you're if you're operating along the entire bandwidth of different movement types and different stress levels, then I think that's a lot healthier than just constantly staying in this middle ground where you're locking yourself into a specific position. Oh, well, yeah. You, because, because getting all the ergonomics right, that's kind of like putting up a shield that mm-hmm. will protect you. But the second you don't have that shield, you're in a different workstation. If you've let your body become so weak, your actual defense is really low. Yeah. So you want to have a really good defense with or without the ergonomic setup so that you don't kill yourself off the second you have to work at a coffee shop to do something. But you also want to make sure that when you can, in the situations you control, you're not unnecessarily hurting yourself. Yeah. Keep yourself capable. And I think that's a pretty good place to end here. Um... I had some other things in here, but I think that we've covered most of what's really important. I guess the my last parting thought, I had a whole section on like, do you need dual monitors or not? I think you kind of mentioned they often just distract you. 
Uh, I find them very useful for certain things like video editing because I keep my After Effects program in one monitor and then Notion is up in the other one to show me what I need to do. Yeah, it, it but, can help depending on the work you're doing. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people don't actually need the extra features, which is yeah. true of, you know, probably everything. <laughs> that's true. What I find really useful is just a, a monitor that's big enough. Um, and if you if you can't get two monitors or whatever, if you want the similar benefits, you can use virtual desktops. Mm. So basically all operating systems now have multiple like workspaces or desktops that you can do. And I know on the Mac, like I just use control arrow to switch between them. Yeah, I use full screen apps and mm -hmm. stuff like that all the time. Yep, so I'll just have my email in one workspace, switch over to my browser in the other one, or research in one space, writing in the other one. And that works pretty well. You know, it takes a little while for the animation to go and you don't get the benefit of being able to like look at some information over here and then look at something over here, which is sometimes nice. And that's why it's nice to have a big monitor so you can sometimes put two windows next to each other. But for the most part, it's I think one monitor typically does the job. Yeah. So that's workspaces. And if you want to find the show notes, this is episode 254. That's so, is that number one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can go over to cigpodcast.com slash 254 if you want the show notes for this episode, which will include links to many of the things we talked about. Um, let's see here. I mean, we had like desks and lights and all kinds of roost stands and things like that. Uh, maybe we'll be able to throw in some research about ergonomics. I don't know. There are things we mentioned. They'll come up in editing. Our team will take care of them. Yep. Yeah. There'll so, be good stuff. Head over to that URL if you want to get those show notes. Otherwise, you can go over to CIGpodcast.com if you want to subscribe to this show and get it downloaded to your device every single Monday when it comes out. Uh, we are on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. I guess they're one of the same. Google Podcasts, all those good things. So if you're watching us on YouTube and you haven't subscribed yet and you want to take us on the go, have the audio format, that's a good way to do that. Uh, otherwise, you can go over to collegeinfogeek.com dot com for plenty of other articles and uh, our resources page collegeinfogeek.com slash resources will show you a lot of our favorite apps tools gear that we find very very helpful along with our dorm packing guide and our essential books list so there's all kinds of cool stuff there to go check out um, and if you want to support this show you can give us a rating and review on itunes or apple podcasts that helps to sort of bump us up the rankings and gives us good feedback otherwise you can just share this show with a friend and maybe they'll become a fan of it as well uh, so I think that about covers it. Thank you, as always, for hanging out with us, and we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.